AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. That was a big start to a new week for the grain market. Strong gains in corn, soybeans, and wheat futures. Basically runaway gains in the wheat market. Although most contracts did close well below session highs, the cattle complex struggled under the weight of higher corn prices, while lean hog futures were mixed. Live from a day of no particular significance to this handsome newsman via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, okay. we'll talk with Sean Hackett of Hackett Financial Advisors. Later, Kerry Artek from ArtekAdvisory.com. And right after the news, Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group. I am handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now, here's the host of AgriTalk, Chip Lahore. All right, Davis, thank you very much. It. Now, huh? is is it... Do you want to talk about it? I mean, is it because it's just Halloween and you're not much of a participant? Or what is? Not why, much of a Halloween is, guy. Not is much that, of a Halloween guy. Is that guy. it? With a face like mine, why would you cover it up with a mask? You know, there's what? nothing There's nothing fun about that. Uh, you know, just, I would have had you pegged as kind of a like a Prince Charming mm-hmm. type Halloween costume guy. Well, that's the thing. If yeah. I was going to be Prince Charming or, you know, some, something along those lines, how could I yeah. possibly find a costume that would make me handsomer? This is what I deal with every – this is my See, life, Chip. This is my reality. with the big puffy sleeves and yes. th- those – The tight pants? Those, well, no. I was thinking more – well, maybe. I don't know. Well, now, hold on. You, hey. you throw in puffy sleeves and tight pants and maybe <laughs> I could be convinced. <laughs> okay. <You're starting laughs> could there be a cape? Perhaps a cape? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, then let me do it again. Live from Prince Charming Day. How's that? Do you like that better? You won me over. Outstanding. Outstanding. <laughs> Welcome to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. That is Prince Charming. And this, and this is the start of another week with an impressive move in the grain markets to yeah. kick things off. We, I'm looking forward to the conversation with Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Services. You, you you never know exactly which direction the conversation is going to go with Sean, and I mm-hmm. love them all. I love them all. Okay. So I'm really looking forward to this, and we'll get perspective on what's going on uh, with today's markets from Jack coming up in just a couple of minutes. Let's get to it. What you got in the news? Chip, word that Russia will definitely, indefinitely suspend the deal that allows shipments of Ukrainian grain through the Black Sea chased selling interest out of the wheat market. Wheat trade remains ultra-sensitive to headlines concerning the grain deal, which resulted in a wide upside price gap on the open of the overnight session. Wheat fell back near mid-morning, too, but left the gap open. Support in December SRW Wheat Futures now stands at today's low of 5.53 and three quarters. Crop watchers will take note of this afternoon's first et- estimate of winter wheat crop conditions, but they will also see a chance for rain in the central and southern plains by the end of this week. Export inspections of wheat in the weekend at October 27 of just over 137,000 metric tons were at the low end of trade expectations. December HRW wheat futures 53 and three quarters higher, 978 and three quarters. Where's my music? It's not playing. It's not going. 
December SRW wheat jumped 53 cents, 8.82 and a quarter. December spring wheat, um, I don't have a quote on December spring wheat. Do you have your chart open? I didn't see where I it closed. I sure do. Yeah, hold on just a second. I can get that for us here. Spring uh-huh. wheat, 9.81 and a quarter, up 36 and a quarter. So lagging the gains in the winter wheat markets just simply because we are looking at re- we may be able to replace some of those winter wheat supplies out of Ukraine if if uh, some demand finds its way to our shores. Chip, December corn futures also gapped sharply higher on the open and quickly rallied to test resistance at 7 bucks. That resistance held strong, sending prices to a mid-morning low of 6.84 and one quarter, just one half of one cent above Friday's high. The low range close keeps December corn in the middle of the sideways trading range. Threats to Ukrainian corn shipments spurred the gap higher open. Export inspections of corn in the weekend of October 27 were in line with trade expectations. At just over 422,000 metric tons, December corn futures 10 and 3 quarters cents higher, 691 and one half. March corn up a dime, 696 and 3 quarters. July corn futures closed at 689 and one quarter, up 8 and 3 quarters cents, Chip. $7 rejected that move in December corn. That's a little troublesome. Soybean export inspections, 2.57 million metric tons at the high end of trade expectations. That helped bean prices post a high-range close above the opening range. November beans did gap higher on spillover support from strong gains in corn and wheat futures. Front-month beans closed above 14 bucks for the first time since September 29, even with deliveries against the November contract. Bean oil and bean meal futures were higher in late trade, helping bean prices push to the upside. January beans 19 and one quarter cents higher, 14, 19 and one half. March beans up 18 and one half, 14, 27 and one half. July soybeans closed at 14, 38 and one quarter, up 18 and three quarter cents. Chip. I was most impressed with the gains in the soybean oil market, up 140 ticks when you've got the crude oil market a buck and a half lower. It was a nice move today. December cotton futures 11 points lower today, 72 cents on the nose. On the livestock side, December fat cattle futures gapped lower and traded through support at 152 before recovering to close in the upper half of the day's trading range. December cattle 52 and one half lower, 152.47 and one half. April fats down 15 cents, 159.07 and one half. January feeder futures dropped 92 and a half cents to 179.45. And on the snout side, December lean hog futures posted a high-range open, but sagged to a low-range close as profit-taking on long positions rolled back into the market. December hogs a buck seventeen and one half lower, eighty-four ninety-two and a half in April. Hogs ninety cents higher, ninety-three yeah. sixty at the close. Chip Dece April spread moving almost two bucks today. That was a big move, big move there. So something to keep our eye on going forward. Thank you very much, Davis. Let's Indeed. bring in. Jack Scoville, Price Futures Group. Good afternoon, Jack. How are you? Hey, I'm having a nice day here today. Pretty exciting yeah. markets, and uh, yeah. pretty much all over the all uh, all across the board. Uh, even the rice market up over over forty cents. So, really, really a great day. And you know, even commodities that really don't have anything to do with Ukraine and Russia responding. So, a really, yeah. really great day. Yeah, especially when you consider the fact that the U.S. dollar index was up more than 800 points, I believe, at the close of the grain trade. Um, that kind of adds some validity to the rally that we saw. Oh, absolutely. Having the dollar uh, being as strong as it is. Of course, it, it was sagging a little bit last week, but that, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't really pay much attention to that. 
And now we're going back right into resistance right around the 112 area in the D dollar index. But, uh, oh, you got to be just impressed by, uh, by, the, by the entire grain complex today. I mean, yeah. we know the wheat news uh, with Russia and Ukraine going at it again. And that kind of spilled over into the corn, but the soy complex acted great. Um, you know, just about every just about every ag market really you know, just just kind of turned it on here, and that was good news. Yeah, you know, it's it's an impressive move in that wheat market, but we've seen this story before. The trick's going to be holding on to the gains through the end of the week, isn't it? Yes, it is, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, that's going to be quite a trick. You know, because our wheat export sales, well, actually the export yeah. sales for just about everything except the beans, really have been uh, pretty lousy so far this year. And even the beans are behind a year ago. They've just been a little better here lately. But uh, yeah, we need some demand. We need something to. We need some more than just a supply side check to kind of support this market yeah. for longer term. Uh, yep. All these supply side checks really help, but we do need somebody to actually step up, step up and buy, and that's been a problem for the last for the last several weeks for wheat, for yep. corn, for a lot of these markets. Yep, Jack. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, great. That's Jack Scoville, Price Future. Sean Hackett up next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us this afternoon. We've got Davis with us as well. Hello. Yes. Uh, and let's get right to it. Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors. Sean, welcome back to AgriTalk, my friend. How are you? I'm good, Chip. Never been better, and uh, always, always look forward to being on your show. Love it. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you've never been better, man. Uh, this, this ought to be that ought to be good for some added commentary in here. I'm looking forward to that. Okay, let's start with the obvious, and that's the big move in the wheat market. Uh, big move in in the soy complex. Corn kind of backed off of the highs. Uh, ran it, ran the D's right up to seven bucks and and backed it off some, but boy, these markets are still really hypersensitive to the headlines, aren't they? They really are. I mean, we've been trading these headlines since February, and just when you think the markets calm down and it's no longer interesting, we're getting back to normal, you know, weather and harvest. You know, then another news bite, sound bite comes out and we fire it up all over again, and it's uh, 
it just reminds me so much of the trade war where it was so event driven for so long. Um, and, you know, here we go again. But but yeah. what I will say is that every one of these geopolitical spikes has not lasted terribly long and has led to significant givebacks, meaning they've been good cash selling opportunities, uh, each one of them. And I'm thinking this one will be as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I said to Jack at the start of the show, Sean, that. The big move in the wheat market on a Monday, we've seen this before. We've seen this movie before. The trick now is holding on to it until the end of the week. I'm, I, You could tell from the note that I sent earlier this morning that I was concerned about the market being able to hold on to strength until the end of the day. Well, it was giving back, Chip, as you know. And then there was more news about more bombing of some uh, ships or, or, you know, that were carrying grain or something. And then yeah. they kind of put some, some premium back on. But, but generally speaking, I just think the market's getting more and more tired of this kind of news. And I think it's going to be harder and harder for the market to generate enthusiasm for more than a day or two. And I still think farmers need to look at their balance sheet, look at the price and bring some of that money home in case one of these corrections goes a much further than it has in the past. Okay. Here's, a theory that that I've got about issues like Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the ongoing disruption of shipments from the Black Sea. We talk about it. We talk about it. We talk about it. The market gets fatigued over it, doesn't want to talk about it anymore, doesn't want to pay attention to it. And as soon as that's, that happens, that's when you've got to really pay attention to it because that's when the long-term trend is going to be set. Do you think that's a possibility at this point? That we're going to get a, a, a new trend set by one of these announcements? Yeah, yeah. In in other words, what if what if Putin isn't isn't bluffing this time, and he does shut down through military action grain shipments from Ukraine? If that happens, Sean, that's a different deal than what we've dealt with to this point. It is a different deal, and we do have to delineate what is a soundbite and what is a true change in the, in right. the persona or the actual action that Putin and, and Russia is taking so far. I don't see it, but okay. definitely have to be very sensitive to if we're entering a different gear here and that this wide consolidation volatile trade we've been in for months, you know, may lead to some kind of a surge higher. That's always a risk here. No question about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you took me right into another topic that I wanted to get to, and that is the sideways trading ranges that we are in. A little wider, a little more volatile in wheat, uh, same kind of to a lesser degree in soybeans, but this corn market, hack it, good grief. You want to talk about a market that had a big blow-up today, went all the way to $7, came back down, and closed right in the middle of the sideways trading range. That is as sideways as it gets. Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, and, and when you look at the commodity world, most commodities have broken down appreciably from where their high, you know, where their highs were in the spring or the summer. Corn is one of the few that it has backed off, but it's still actually fairly close to the highs. It's hung in there better than most. You know, cotton totally obliterated. Yeah. You know, coffee market energy markets, natural gas. I mean, you can go down the list and corn has been hanging in there, but usually when a bear market trend and commodities gets going, they all eventually, you know, give way. And I'm wondering how much longer 
corn can hold up here unless we get something like you said an escalation that's very that's that enter a, a different phase than the one we've been in okay a uh, couple of notes from that you referred to the current cycle of headlines that we are getting to uh, getting out of Ukraine to the trade war with China um, similarities in trade what what came what did we learn from that that we should put into put into play now well that situation was you wanted to be a buyer of every break because if you were, were in a livestock position because every break led to a, a, a softening. We're now in a situation where every rally on geopolitical is a selling opportunity. Um, and, I, and I think that that's, you know, we can't predict the sound bites, Chip. I can't predict the sound bites. I have no idea what's going to be said tomorrow, the next day. Nobody can either. We know on a moment's notice, we could be down 30 or 40 cents just because. And yeah. so I think you absolutely just have to, uh, you know, appreciate right now. We're in a very bearish environment for commodities. The dollar has been super strong. The Fed, which we have another meeting this week, continues to try to do everything they can to, to push speculators out of our markets. And in that environment, I want to be looking to sell good prices if I get a window like this periodically to sell because I, I just don't want to take a chance on what the next soundbite is going to be. And I think that's what we yeah. learned in the trade wars. We got so bared up that when we did shift gears, everyone was totally taken aback and didn't really have, didn't see the kind of spike trade coming that ultimately led to the big move we had higher over the last couple of years. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you see the video of the Chinese workers scrambling to get yeah. away from that iPhone assembly plant? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did. Th there's nobody there that trusts the COVID policy in China, is there? Well, you, you really can't because the rest of the world is telling you that that is not a good strategy. We tried it and realized it was not a good strategy. Uh, other Asian countries tried it, and they're all abandoning it. So why are they not abandoning it? I kind of, you know, I'm, it's my speculation only, but I kind of feel that they have a food problem. And I think what they're trying to do is ration food demand in China by keeping this rolling lockdown policy, blaming it on the virus. But in actuality, what they're doing is trying to keep and ration food demand so that they don't have to go in and admit to the world you know, that they've gotten themselves in a bad spot. I, I can't be certain of that, but I, can, I, I, don't, I don't know what any other reason would be for them to maintain this detrimental, endless lockdown policy. You're not the first that has has uh, put that theory forward, Sean. So, I mean, th th there's a lot of uncertainty over exactly what they are trying to what what exactly Xi is trying to do with all of that. Hey, coming out of the Congress, the the CCP Congress, what what is the strength rating of China right now on the on the global picture? Well, I think anytime you have a leader that's been given a uh, uh, power for life, you know, you, you have to take that country very, very seriously, who's as large economically as China is, meaning he has the mandate to pretty much strong arm and do what he wants to do. So you have to be very worried about that. Um, so every country is standing up uh, firm and saying, OK, what is he going to do? Because I think he's going to come out now and really start 
laying out much more aggressive policies. And the one thing I worry about, you know, is, uh, you know, is he going to try to do something to disrupt the U.S. trade system? Uh, you know, we, we shut down these microchips that mm-hmm. we're shipping to them to keep their technology industry going. We, we abolished it. We said we're not allowed, you know, we embargoed it. And I have a feeling they're going to do something to hurt us in trade. Once again, the trade war, I think, might come back and while we're all talking about Russia, Ukraine, and how that could be bullish for supply, I'm wondering if the real reason that grains have been unwilling or unable to go higher is that we're going to be looking at some kind of a renewed trade war that limits our ability to sell our grain and our meat to China. I think that could be a sleeper risk that might come out and catch us all off guard. Yeah. Interesting. It, it feels like they are trying to stall on their their coverage as long as they possibly can oh my gosh i can't believe the music's playing stall on their coverage as long as they can waiting for the new crop supplies coming out of south america we will talk more about that when we come back but boy hackett's gonna have control of the conversation when we come back i just want to know what he's thinking about what he's focused on and how he thinks those items are going to influence the markets going forward sean hackett Hackett Financial Advisors right here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. China sold all 40,000-plus metric tons of state-owned wheat reserves put up for auction last week. The Fed is widely expected to raise interest rates another 75 basis points at this week's FOMC meeting. China's official Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index, or PMI, unexpectedly fell to 49.2 in October from 50.1 the previous month. That's the lowest reading since July. Eurozone consumer inflation accelerated to 10.7% above year ago in October. Mansfield Energy issued an alert about diesel fuel shortages in several southeastern states. Fuel carriers now having to go to multiple terminals to find supply in China's sow herd grew 2% in September versus the prior month, according to the country's ag ministry. News of note is taken from the pages of Pro Farmer. Get more at tryprofarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors.
All right. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us this afternoon for a conversation with today's guest analyst, Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors. Davis, before we get back to Sean, if you Uh would, please recap Uh where the market's closed. Oh, sure. December, HRW wheat futures, 53 and three quarter cents higher, buddy. 978 and three quarters at the close. December soft red wheat up 53 cents, 882 and one quarter. December corn futures 10 and three quarter cents higher, 691 and one half. July corn futures closed at 689 and one quarter. That's up eight and three quarter cents. January soybean futures 19 and one quarter cents higher, 1419 and a half. July soybeans closed at 1438 and one quarter, up 18 and three quarter cents. December cotton, 11 points lower, 72 cents even. December fat cattle, 52 and one half cents lower, 152.47 and one half. January feeders down 92 and one half cents today, 179.45. And December lean hog futures, $1.17 and one half cents lower, 84.92 and a half. Chip, as you well know, our guest today is Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors. I just want to bring something up that was in the news of note. Um, when he mentioned that ah, he was speculating China may be a little light on food, China sold all 40,000 plus metric tons of state owned wheat reserves yeah. put up for auction last week. Does that tell us anything along those lines? Well, I mean, they're supposed to have an abundant amount of wheat in stocks. In fact, yeah. they're supposed to have too much wheat in stock. So for me, when I see that they you know, can't sell it fast enough, uh, it sounds like the emperor has no clothes and that they actually have a situation. They're doing the same thing, by the way, with pork, selling pork out of the freezing supply, uh, the frozen pork supplies that they have. They've done it four or five times and sold out immediately trying to keep pork prices from escalating higher. So something's going on in China with food that's not w- what they're portraying to the rest of the world. So I do think that that is that this lockdown theory concept that we've talked about before, I think has some some good validity to it yeah and sean the volume that they're offering from the wheat reserves in particular forty thousand metric tons what whatever the specific number was okay it's forty thousand tons but that's kind of an insignificant number in china isn't it it's the idea is that this is supposed to be they're not supposed to even be doing this for the most part like this this is the the supplies of last resort and the fact that they're even doing it and the fact that anyone and usually these supplies, Chip, are not your highest quality, but sitting there for a while, you know, they're kind of you know, kind of rough. And for that, some for of that, that stuff kind of was supplies, some of this stuff was from the 14 <laughs> crop year. <laughs> well, and then to snap it up that fast, you know, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's that, that you, 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 you need that kind of supply, that kind of quality that badly. I think it just sends the message that something's wrong. Um, yeah. And I must, you know, something's not quite right with what's going on in China's food supply. Right, right. Sean, in the first, in the last segment, you referenced cotton as far as a market that has absolutely given it up. How closely do you follow the cotton market? What do you make of what's been going on in there? Well, I mean, cotton is is one of the few ag markets that's extremely cyclically sensitive to the global economy. We know that anybody can push off buying clothes indefinitely to some extent, whereas, you know, at some point you do have to eat. And so that always is a market that gets hit particularly hard when economic fears are starting to be realized. What I will say, when cotton was trading at $1.20 a pound, 
it was trading above Chinese prices for the first time in a long time. And, and that meant they, you know, they were not going to be the big buyers of U.S. cotton that they needed to be. And we made comment at that time in our reports that that was likely going to lead to a big setback. We are now trading below. And so I think this low 70 cent area, despite the global economy being poor, I think is going to start bringing some business back from China uh, because it just economically makes sense for them to do it. And so I would think that's a good measure. Uh, that metric is a good measure for you know, when cotton is near a top or when cotton is near a bottom, at least from you know, exports driving the, the, the price higher or lower, which is really what drives U.S. prices is Chinese demand. Yeah. That December cotton contract, guys, just so everybody is familiar with how volatile it has been. Uh, since the first week of May this year, we've more than halved the price in yep. December cotton, and we're still not at contract lows that were set early in <laughs> in the life of that contract. Uh, you know, all the That's way back in, what, one. 2013 or something like that. I, yeah. it, it's, yeah. it's just absolutely nuts what has been going on in that market. So... Yeah, crazy, crazy. Um, okay, what are you watching? What What's top of mind for Sean Hackett right now? Well, for me now, it still comes back to weather. Okay. Still, you know, one of the reasons we're here is because we've had two years of very poor global weather due to La Nina. So the key is, is that going to continue for another year or not? Um, our view is it's not. What we're looking for this year is a very short winter a very early spring chip, like, you know, we're going to get off to probably one of the earliest starts for the U.S. planting season and growing season in a very, very long time. As La Nina dissipates, we're going to get good spring moisture. And this is going to, I think, going to set off the first time in about three years or four years that we're going to set up for the potential for a record crop or record yields, you know, that sort of thing. We're going to start off the season in really off, Really? Starts. And, and that's, yes, that's our general view. Now, last year, as you recall, we were yep. painting an exact opposite picture, late ending winter, all kinds of problems, and those things did manifest. We actually think we're going to be shifting gears towards a, a really good growing season. And, and Brazil is also looking at the same thing. In fact, they're off to the best start to their growing season yeah. in 35 years. So yeah. if we have big crops, Chip, you know, I don't know what Russia's going to do. I'm not, I don't know what China's going to do. But if we have the kind of crops that we are capable of having in South America, Brazil, and here, then it's hard to envision that the current price level can be maintained, that we have to have something lower than, than we have today. And I'm not saying necessarily as much, you know, cotton declines, but you know, something significantly lower that farmers wouldn't want to miss these current price levels at this time. Okay. Now, there, there's been many that have argued and, and continue to argue that it's going to take back-to-back -back good crop years for the corn market to become comfortable with supplies, for the bean market to be comfortable with supplies. Um, I haven't pushed too hard on those questions, but I'm wondering, does a good Brazilian corn crop followed by a good U.S. corn crop and same on beans – does that qualify as back-to-back -back good crops now? I believe it does. I believe if you have a big second crop corn out of Brazil and you get follow that by a big U.S. crop, I believe that's back-to-back -back 
crops that absolutely puts the genie back in the bottle. I would sh uh, bring out to you something like the coffee market, which is heavily grown in Brazil, is off to a great start to their production season for the first time in three years. And prices have collapsed on the idea that they're going to be you know, putting coffee back into the coffers. When you're at very high prices with high expectations, you, you do not need that much of a shift to make the market move down considerably right. from where they are. And so I would be very worried about, you know, you know, that kind of a scenario laying a pretty low level of price potential in the spring and the summer. Now it might be great for livestock producers to get feed bought again, but I just, I just think we're due for some good fortune here in the weather. At least our weather cycles are very clear. The upcoming year is not the year for the major weather problem here in either hemisphere. Okay, the year ahead is not the year for the major weather problem, but you still see one out there someplace, don't you? Well, after 23, I think we spoke about this before in a prior show, um, we're looking at the Gleisberg cycle. It's a 90-year cycle where we complete a full solar cycle um, and that um, uh, Ellen Taylor, your buddy, yep. uh, talked yep. about before, and that comes into play in 24, 25. So, the drought cycle we're in is going to have a pause, but it's going to have one heck of a finish in a one in 100 year type of drought in 24, 25. And that would pretty much end uh, this extended period of drought cycle we've been in, not only here, but elsewhere. Um, but it's going to end with a bang and, and end with a really, really uh, you know, nasty weather volatility uh, cycle that is coming. And so that's something that everyone needs to be thinking, how are they going to manage that with poor crops in 24 25 but a good crop coming up low prices versus high prices what do you plant how do livestock producers manage their feed there's a lot of moving pieces that one can be proactive on with this kind of a weather forecast to you know make some of these negative consequences uh less detrimental right yeah you've i'm sure you've given that some thought um i i mean it, to, <laughs> to me, this feels like a well. Go ahead and build another bin this year, so that you can put next year's crop in it. Well, well Chip, remember our number one recommendation in, in late 2020 was to store all your grain in the bin. I think our term was "grain in the bin would not be a sin." I think that's what we said over and over yeah. again, and that was a fantastic strategy because not only won on the higher price, but you won on the basis. Mm -hmm. We think that strategy will be should be utilized again. You know, as we get into the summer of 23, we get these big crops, we get our bins full. I think you're going to want to hold back um, trying to oversell, you know, your grain and, and, and you know, re-exercise re that strategy that worked so well in 2020 because it's going to, in our view, going to happen again. So. Yeah. Yeah, there's some opportunities out there on 23 crop right now that can take care of your cash flow needs and, and so on. Manage that. Manage that, but manage your opportunities out there as well. Sean, it is always fun to talk with you, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chip, and keep up your great work. Really, really blessed to be on your show, and I, I really appreciate everything you do for farmers. Thanks, buddy. Sean Hackett, Hackett Advisors. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. 
It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by the NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program, which cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today. Ever since I met you, girl, you've been on my brain. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us this afternoon. Great conversation with Sean Hackett. You know, it, it makes you optimistic for the year ahead, Davis, but after... That as the cycles, what is it? The Gleisberg cycle, mm-hmm. as it peaks in twenty four and twenty five. Boy, that's worth getting a little bit nervous about. I don't think there's any question about that. There are those about it who have been looking here on agriculture. for the twenty four twenty five crop year since the eighties, as I recall. Uh, yes, yes, that is absolutely right. I tell you what, I mean. I've, there's other evidence that is pointing to some sort of a, you know, these other issues developing as we get into 24 and 25. So, I mean, it, things seem to be lining up. We'll see. We'll see. And we'll all see together. All right. Let's bring in Kerry Artak, Artak Advisory Services. Good afternoon, Kerry. Good afternoon, Chip. How are you? Good. Artak Advisory Services. Go to Artac Advisory, that's A-R-T-A-C Advisory, dot com, and get signed up for a two-week free trial. Carrie, kick us off with January bean chart. What do you see? Yeah, January soybeans, that weekly chart, the weekly continuation chart that January uh, inherited, if you will, last week when its volume exceeded November's, settled last week above 1395 even. Not a significant buy signal, but definitely a show of stability and even a constructive dynamic as we continue into later year. 1395 is the high of the low that was put out about four weeks ago, that recent low. So we're constructive above 1395 even. 1510 and three quarter is, I'm going to say, attainable by the end of the year. And that becomes more underscored and more likely if we can close this week above 1430 even. So, you know, there's a case to be made that over the next two to three weeks, we have kind of a two-sided dynamic between 1395 floor and 1430 ceiling or the next week or two anyway. If we close above 1430 even, I think 1510 and three quarters, just about three to five weeks away. In other words, by the end of November, where January can top out into expiration and possibly the broader soybean market uh, through winter trade. Downside, if we close below 1395, even that sort of neutralizes the constructive dynamic I just mentioned. But we really don't um, tip south aggressively. There's real no aggressive sell signal until we break and close below 1363 and a quarter. So closing below 1395, even over the next week or two, down to 1363 and a quarter, where we could bottom out actually through November. And closing below 1363 and a quarter is our indication for aggressive three to five week sell off down to. 1295 even and that is a long-term two-year channel bottom on the weekly Hmm. chart that is yet to be tested 
1295 even able to contain selling into next spring possibly summer of next year in fact we could get a nice bounce off of that area as we move into spring of next year and on to december wheat I'm showing December wheat as still actually stable to bullish above 827 and a quarter. That is also the high of a low from mid-August when we put out the, the move low. The high of that week was 827 and a quarter on the December chart. So that is sort of our pullback zone and above which 985 and a quarter is in reach over the next three to five weeks. Um, 985 and a quarter rising 12 cents a week it's a rising channel top that can quite easily contain buying through the balance of december contract life now if we close the week friday below 827 and a quarter then i have a three to five week sell signal down to 752 even and that is a rising two-thirds speed line projected off the 2015 low i don't want to get into how that's all constructed but 752 even is trend finding on a long-term basis 752 even if tested say by the end of november can contain selling into spring summer of next year and from there we can come off of it nicely and not unless we close below 752 even at the end of any week do i see a long-term sell signal for the broader Chicago Board of Trade week contract, then anticipating around 575 even within three to five months of closing below 752 even. And finally, December live cattle, we came off of okay. a four-month channel top last week that is at 154.07 this week, rising about 20 cents a week. 154.07, able to contain buying really through the balance of December contract life. And from here, we can, by the end of November, perhaps fall to long-term support at 146.82. And that's also rising about 20 cents a week. That 146.82 level is the channel bottom to the 154.07 channel top. 146.82, I think, likely to contain selling into December expiration. Upside, you know, we close at 152.47 today. So we're just still below that 154.07 channel top. And if we can get up and over it, close above it, then 159.12 is actually in reach by December expiration. And I think that would be about it for the December contract as we move into its expiration. And that's uh, pretty much all okay. I have today, Chip. All right. Great update, Kerry. Thank you so much. Really appreciate Thank you, you taking the time and, and visiting with us every Monday afternoon. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right. That is Kerry Artak, Artak Advisory Services. As I said, go to artakadvisory.com. Get signed up for that two-week free trial. Davis, normally mm -hmm. I would go to the 610 day, but I, yeah. I want to put a reminder out to everybody that we've got the crop progress report coming up here in just a few minutes. Um, I'm, I'm not all that concerned about soybean harvest, obviously. I, that's, I did a little bit of driving around northeast Iowa. I don't think I saw a bean field that was unharvested yet. No, mm -hmm. I saw one that was being harvested. I just remembered. That's right. Um, but pretty much everything else is, is gone. Uh, so I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about corn harvest. What I'm worried about is we are getting the first crop condition report of the fall for the winter wheat crop. Could be a little ugly. With as dry as it is out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, shout out to everyone in, in the Central Plains, Southern Plains, that anytime rain is mentioned for that area that I get emails and yeah, you know, with the yow, believe it when I see it. Here's what we've had so far. If you think you're dry, all of those comments, I get that. I appreciate that. And and keep sending them. Keep sending those reminders and those comments. Host at agritalk.com because we need to remember just how tough the conditions are out there. 
Mm-hmm. But, boy, we could have record low, record poor. I'm not exactly sure what to call it. Uh, record poor crop ratings for that winter wheat crop and, and the HRW crop in particular when we get the update here in just a few minutes. So heads up for that. Heads up for that. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. Really appreciate you. Come back tomorrow morning, 10.06 Central. Conversation with Representative Sam Graves from Missouri. And tomorrow afternoon, Luke Beckman, Central Valley Ag, Northeast Nebraska, right here on Agritalk. Thank you.